Hello, my name's Luke Eastwood. I I live here in Kerry, but I'm not actually from Kerry. Um, I actually hate people asking me where I'm from because it's a difficult question. I was born in Aberdeen in Scotland, but I think I've I've moved something crazy like 24 times in my life, and I've lived in England uh, as well. I've short time in America, and then I've been living in in Ireland since 1999 mm. uh, when I moved over, and I've I've mostly been in Wexford, and then about. I think it was about eight years ago I moved down to Kerry. Mm-hmm. The and best I, move of your life, I, I assume? Pro- yes, well, I love <laughs> it down here. And I probably, uh, I'm moving again, actually, <laughs> um, to, to Kil- Kilgarvan area. And uh, hopefully that'll be the last move. But, you know, in saying that, moving 24 times in your life, I assume you've learned a lot and, you know, grown to love what a community is. In a position where you, you're not really part of a community as such, because you you don't stay long enough to uh, to have that, mm. you know, it's just something I kind of feel I missed out on a bit with moving too much. Mm. Whereas my own daughter has grown up and spent a whole life in Wexford, she knows her local town and the people she went to, you know, junior infants with. She still knows them, mm. you know. Um, it it is interesting in a way, and that you, you know, you move around, you see a lot of different places. But you know, I my oldest friend, I think, is from when I was eighteen. I've lost all the ones from before that. I lost them all. Mm-hmm. I couldn't uh, manage to sort of keep contact with them. I suppose it was in Europe as well, where phones yeah. and social media weren't yeah. there, so it wasn't as easy. Oh, it wasn't anywhere near so easy, and uh, you know. Um, Sure, I remember arranging to meet someone and something went wrong and I couldn't turn up and I had no way to tell them. And like for young people now, they're like, oh, you just, they can't, you know, explaining to my daughter, say, for instance, how you would ring up someone on your land phone and if if they were there, you'd speak to them, otherwise you'd leave a message or you ring back if no one answers and then, you know, I'll meet you at a certain place at a certain time and that would be it. There'd be no, oh, I'm on my way, mm-hmm. or, oh, uh, let's not meet here, we'll go there instead. Because you couldn't do that. It just wasn't mm-hmm. even possible. I did find that, um, you know, it makes you more self-reliant moving around different places because you make friends, but, you know, um, you, you might be aware that you'll you'll end up moving somewhere else in a year or two. Mm-hmm. So I think it makes you, you have to be more self-reliant, I suppose. How did you find the move to Ireland? That was very difficult. It wasn't really how uh, I'd hoped it would be, you know. Um, in the end, it's turned out great, but um, I won't go into it for family reasons. It, you know, there were some difficulties and things didn't go to plan, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I had been familiar with, you know, with Wexford for quite a long time, actually, from the beginning of the 90s, but uh, coming and visiting a place a few times a year and actually living there is completely is completely different and uh, you know at the time I was uh, I was working in Dublin and later on I set up my own business but um, you know the the whole work culture is is very was very different from from the UK Mm. Uh, I was living in London at the time before I moved over but I, I did notice a massive shift between 1999 to about, you know, a couple of years later in a period of, you know, up to sort of not that long after the euro came in, a massive shift. Mm. 
mm. in the sort of whole work thing. Because, you know, Dublin used to be quite a laid-back city and you had your little villages and they all had their little uh, differences. They had a bit of a character of their own. And then, very quickly, everyone started getting phones. Um, I remember we used to go to the pub for lunch and you'd get your soup and sandwiches. You might even have a, a pint or a glass. And then what used to happen then was the receptionist would come down and get various people because the pub was right next to where I worked. Hmm. And then it got to the point where it happened so frequently that, you know, a year later, you didn't go to the pub for lunch. You, you were sat in, at your desk and you ate a sandwich. You maybe got 10, 15 minutes for lunch. Mm -hmm. And people were ringing all through lunch, that kind of whole etiquette of... Never stop working, really. Of, like, everyone down tools at one and you start again at two. That just got obliterated. So, you know, you'd, it just took on that whole kind of thing like you might expect in New York or in London or, or Paris or anywhere mm. where it just became like any other European city. Everyone's like, faster, faster, do it now, blah, blah, blah. No, you know, that it changed completely in about two years, I'd say. The mm. atmosphere gone from quite laid back and relaxed to just, you know, hell for leather like, like yeah. everywhere else. Never catching else's. a break. Now, tell me, how did you get into book writing? Well, um, I've always had an interest in, in literature and books. So um, I, I first started writing bad poetry when I was about 15. And, uh, I love how you say bad poetry. Oh, it was, was fairly, <laughs> fairly terrible, I have to say. I did get better over time. And I, I wasn't really brave enough to actually do anything with that uh, at, you know, when I was younger. And then um, I got involved in sort of, um, I suppose, uh, Druidism, I, I say you call it. Sort of, I, I, I had been raised as a Catholic and I kind of was more into sort of, I don't know, alternative stuff, nature, and that environmentalism has been a big thing since, since I was about, uh, about 18 or so. I got mm -hmm. very much involved in that. Uh, when I was at college, there was a conservation project that I got involved with, and it led on to other things when I was, you know, helping out Greenpeace when I was in London. Mm. And it just seemed to really fit with my ethos. Um, not that I've got anything against Christianity, but I just thought something less formalised, you know. Uh, you know, it is quite sort of rigid. Uh, and so um, it just happened by chance that, there was um, a publisher in the UK that were looking for... It was a new publisher looking for, for authors, and um, this fella got in touch with me through this some website and uh, said, oh, you know, did I know anyone who was writing a book? And I said, well, actually, happens. Yes, I am, I, myself, which was uh, a book on on druidism and the history of it and how, how how you go about doing it and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So that was my first book and then... How long did it take you to write? Well that one took... Um, well the actual, it took ma many, many years. It took probably about 15 years if you think about the period of time of the content that I kind of put together. Mm. But the actual writing of it uh, was done in a few months. A lot uh, of patience. Um, yeah, well what happened was I don't know if you remember, I think it was about 2010-11, there was a really, really bad winter. Mm. 
Um, I actually do because yeah. the river in my um, local area, Casmine, the River Mean actually froze over mm. and everyone was shocked with that. Yeah. Well, that bad winter, uh, it was so bad. Our, my village in uh, Monaseed, it's called in, in sort of the Wicklow, Wexford border, uh, it was cut off completely. And uh, I remember, I mean, having to walk to the shop with a rucksack to get briquettes for my neighbour and uh, I was lucky I got a lift back on a tractor. The only thing <laughs> could get around was a, a massive tractor yeah. uh, a couple of lads had because um, the roads were completely impassable. But anyway, I was stuck. I had two weeks off work because of that because mm. uh, no one could get, get, get around. Yeah. No, in fact, the road afterwards was completely ruined and had to be resurfaced. Um, but anyway, that's another matter. But I had two weeks at home, and I just sat and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote half the book in two weeks. Wow! Um, because I had all the stuff in my head mm. that I knew I wanted, and I just kind of just sat and just poured out of me. Yeah. Um, and you finally had the time to do it, yeah. and there was no distractions in the sense because yeah. you couldn't actually really leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> no, I couldn't. I, I, you know, I couldn't even go to visit relatives or friends or anything apart from, uh, like the neighbour up the road. Uh, mm. She was an elderly lady. I went and, I as I said, I went to the shop and got got a few bits and pieces for her mm. and well myself as well, obviously. <laughs> but yeah. um, how many books have you wrote over the last uh, hundred years? I think um, I think it's my tenth is coming out in April. Oh, any hints? Well, it's a book about uh, it's a book of essays again, again on druid stuff. But um, that not all my books are about that. I'm, you know, um, I'm not interested in sort of sort of sticking with one particular theme. You yeah. know, very good. So, you actually have uh, a book for me here um, about sound, and you know, very timely. We're in October now at the mm. moment with the roots of Halloween. Tell me about this book. Okay. Well. Um, before I moved to Ireland, I didn't really know an awful lot about um, Halloween and the traditions of it. Mm. And then I think, um, you know, I knew that was a, an old thing going way back before Christianity, but um, I didn't really know that much about it. Um, but I, I, I went with a group of people uh, to this place called the Hill of Ward, which was formerly called Clockter. Um, and, you know, I discovered a lot about what, uh, what that was about. And at that time, um, um, there's some people already begun sort of um, reviving the, the old sort of uh, traditional celebrations. Um, so anyway, uh, at the time, I wasn't interested in writing about it. I was just still sort of um, finding my feet, really. Mm-hmm. Um and then it was um, this. This thing has carried on over time. With you know, every every year there's been celebrations, and um, it's now transformed into the Puka Festival, which takes place at at, at Boy, which is a town just down the road from this place. And there's a procession o- up to to this sacred site called Clockter, the Hill of Ward. Which it doesn't actually happen there now because. Um, it's got so big that uh, they can't really have um, yeah, a, a ceremony with you know hundreds and hundreds of people mm-hmm. uh, on, a, on an old sort of ancient site. It could get damaged. Anyway, um, at, the, at the time I first became aware of it, I discovered a book 
uh, uh, called uh, Clockter Celtic Fire Festival. I think it's John Gilroy. He's a local man. In fact, I tried to get his book um, from him. He didn't even have any copies because they're out of print. But uh, you can get it from the library. So I, I got that out many times and, and read it. Uh, and it does tell you a hell of a lot about about that place. But um, there's a lot's happened since that. Mm. I think that book was written over 20 years ago. And there's been archaeology that's happened there, uh, the sort of evolution of the, the modern festivals. Mm. And um, I kind of decided to tie it in with a sort of wider look at the traditions and where they come from. Mm-hmm. And what I like actually is, I was just skimming through it there as you were speaking, but it's nice because you have it broken up really well. You know, you don't go into detail where, you know, you have pages upon pages and then you're kind of like, okay, but what was the point? You actually have it really well written, in a sense, for people to understand. Well, I've tried to structure it in a way that makes sense because, you know, someone hearing that name, they have no idea what it's about. Um, So I've tried to explain what the significance is and the characters associated with that place. And the history of it actually is quite interesting. It kind of goes... Sort of into sort of um, the the Norman period, but actually it stretches right back into uh, about three thousand years ago.